Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Daf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now in Masachet Erovin, Daf Samach Bet Amud Bet. At the end of the previous sugya, we ruled to some, one extent or another, either public ruling or responding to a question or just having no consequence if somebody relied on Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. And that's going to open the door to a fascinating piece we're going to deal with today about being more halacha bifnei rabo, to give a halachic answer in the presence of or in the vicinity of your Rebbe. I'm really Abayi the Rav Yosef. So Abayi asked his own Rebbe, Rav Yosef, this question using our case as a, a model. We hold that Rabbi Elezer ben Yaakov's teaching is pure and distilled, and that's the halacha. And in the previous sugya, we ruled in accord with Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, which is no surprise, in the case of our Mishnah, which is that one Yisraeli living with one non-Jew in the Chatzar, the non-Jew's presence doesn't interfere with his own ability to carry. It's only when there's two Yisraelim there against Rabbi Meir. Now, it's such an obvious statement because with Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, whenever he teaches, that's the halacha, should we say, or we have here an explicit ruling of Rav Yehuda in Shmuel's name, shall we say that if a student is asked what to do, he can give the answer to rule like Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, even if his Rebbe is present or is in the vicinity. He says, not only you can't answer that, but something as simple as a beata bekutcha. If you have an egg that's in kutach, which has some dairy in it, whether you're allowed to eat it with meat, uh, was uh, was asked of Rav Chista, and during the entire life of Rav Huna, who was Rav Chista's Rebbe, sort of, um, uh, Rav Chista refused to answer the question. Something that simple. All right, we've got the book Megilat Tanit. Dichtivo mancha. It's written and it's there. It's not Balpeh. Let's say you're in the vicinity of your Rebbe, and somebody asks you, am I allowed to fast on Arab Purim? Something that's explicit in Megillah Tanit, that you may not. So he repeated what we just heard of Rav Yosef in the, in the story of Rav Chista Rav Huna. Rav Chista Ari B'Kafri B'Shnei De Rav Huna. But now, we hear that that same Rav Chista did give instructions in the... Um, in the Kafri, in the villages, during the years of Ravuna. Why was that? Um, or it was perhaps the place, uh, in place, because it, right, it wasn't a location where Ravuna was directly at. And Rav Hamnuna, Ori Becharta Dargaz, Bishanda Rav Chista. Rav Hamnuna was a student of Rav Chista, also gave a raw when he was in a different location. Okay, Ravina Sarsakina Babavel. Alright, so here we hear a story that, uh, that Ravina, was uh, checking a uh, sakin, right? And uh, and remember the halacha is that you have to show the sakin, we saw this in Chulin, you have to show the sakin to a chacham to show proper honor to the chacham. Even though the shochet really is probably a better expert in it because he's accustomed to doing it. And so therefore, Ravina, and this is the time that Ravashi, who was his rebbe, was alive, um, 
allowed himself to to participate in this accepting kavod by watching by checking the uh, knife. Amar Ravashi, I tell him Rahachi. So his Rebbe asked him, "Why did you do that?" Amar Lei Vahara Hanuna Ori Bechar Tadargas Veshender of Chista Shanu of Chista. The story that we just heard that if the, you're far away from your Rebbe, it's okay. Amar Lei Lav Ori Itmar. No, that's not true. Rav Hanuna was not Ori. He wasn't Mora. Amar Lei Itmar Ori Vitmar Lo Ori. So, you know what, we have two versions of it. One is that Rav Hanuna was more halacha, one is that he wasn't. When Rav Huna, his Rebbe, was around, he wouldn't. So Rav Chista was really more of a Talmud Chavar of Rav Huna, and Rav Hanuna was more of a Talmud Chavar of Rav Chista. So it's kind of overlapping generations. So Rav Hanuna would not give Hora at all when Rav Huna, who was just his Rebbe, had that distance of of age and experience and a generation, when he was alive, he wouldn't be more at all. But when Rav Chista, who was only his Talmud, who was a, only his Rav Chaver, kind of a collegial teacher, uh, then he would. And Ravina said to Ravashi, we're also Talmud Chaver, we also have that kind of relationship, therefore I felt it was okay. So Rav said that a, a Talmud can uh, take a look at it on its own, a knife on its own, and he doesn't have to show it to his Rebbe. Uh, Ravina, so that would kind of answer the question, is that this is not really a din of Horah, but it's a din of Kavod, and then therefore, Talmud Chacham can look at it himself. Ravina equal Mechoza. So he came to Mechoza. Aiti ushpizichne tzakina kamachvile. So his, uh, the person whose house he was staying at, the, um, the, uh, the, the head of the boarding house came and showed him a sakin and showed it to Marley Zil Amte Lerava. So he said, show it to Rava. I'm Ravina. Rava's my rabbi. Rava's also the rabbi of Machoza. Show it to him. Rava himself ruled that if Tamil Chacham could see it on his own. So his answer was, uh, I'm going to be actually buying this meat after you shecht it. Therefore, um, um, uh, therefore, I can't really see it. Evidently, has a nigia involved. So they came, and it was the location of Achab Yaakov, and they came to this fellow's house. He was the uh, the the, his, the one whose house it was. He wanted to make a fancy, a fatted calf. For them to eat, he came brought a sakin to them to look at to shechet. So one of the visitors said, "Aren't you worried about the old man, meaning the elder of the town, that you should show it to him?" Who below The other one said, "Rava said that a tamar chacham can see a knife on his own; doesn't have to show it to an elder." So what happened? They showed it, and Rabbi Lazar Gordon nonetheless was punished because uh, it was inappropriate. Rabbi said it was okay. So meaning in that case they had already brought up the issue of uh, kavod. At that point they should have backed off. Meaning, had they not brought the issue up at all, then it would have been fine. But once they brought up the issue of uh, of the kavod, then they should have backed off and showed it to. Um, to the Chacham Ha'ir, to Rav Achab Uh Okay, now, V'ibayit Eima, we have a different thing, Shani Rav Achab Yaakov, to Muflagaya. Rav Achab may be a different story, because perhaps he was uh, a really a, a, a great Chacham, or Muflag may also here mean 
that uh, that he was very old, significantly older, and they really did owe him that courtesy. Amarava. Now, However, all, everything we've said about being more halacha in the in this vicinity of your rebbe, or while your rebbe is alive, or in the presence of your rebbe, all of that takes a back seat to a case where somebody's about to violate an isur, and you have to intervene, even if your rebbe is standing there. You intervene. So we have a case where Ravina was in front of his Rebbe Ravashi. He saw a man who was tying up his donkey to a palm tree on Shabbat. And that's Asur, because you can't be established from Mechubar. Rav, he yelled at him, and the guy didn't listen. He threw the guy in Cherem. Like So then he turned around and said, "Is that considered to be chutzpah that I'm throwing guy in cherem when when Ravashi, my Rebbe, is around?" So There's no wisdom when it comes. You can't you can't outsmart God, as it were. Meaning, if there's going to be a chil Hashem, then we do not show any kavod to the Rav, and therefore there is no problem with instructing in the presence of your Rebbe when something like that's going to happen. Okay, now Amarava, Bafanava Sur, Vikhayab Mitai. If you're Mora Halacha, and with the provide with the with the exception, of course, of Lafusha Misura, but if you're Mora Halacha in the presence of your Rebbe, it's it's Asur and your Khayab Mitai. Shalobifanav, if he's not in your presence, in another room, wherever it might be, Asur, Vain Khayab Mita. Vishlobifanav lo, but you're not Khayab Mita just because he's not around, Bahatanya or Balazaromer, Ometubanearon Ancharu Halachab if Nimosharaban. That uh, one of the explanations for why Nadav and Avihu died was because they were more halacha about the Aish, about the Torah, in the presence of the Rebbe. Now, of course, Moshe wasn't there. My Drush, what was their Drush of not Nubni Aaron according to Shalom they, they said, look, the Pasuk in the beginning of Ayikra says that we're supposed to put the fire on the Mizbeach. So they said, even though today, <coughs> the day of the dedication of the Mishkan, the fire is going to come down from heaven, nonetheless, the Torah commands us to bring our own fire. And therefore, we have to bring our own fire. And, and, and they died, and Moshe was not in their presence when they did it, when they made that hurrah. He was outside. And, uh, and so therefore you see that even when you're outside of the presence of your Rav, and it's, he's not standing right there, you're still Chayav Mita. And how we hear a story that's far more contemporary to the, to, to the piece of reading. Rabbi Eliezer had a student who was more halacha in his presence. He told his wife, Ima Shalom, the famous sister of Gamliel, I wonder if this guy's gonna make it through the year. And Velotzishnato, he didn't, he died during that year. Amralo Noviata? So his wife said to him, Are you Navi? How do you know? Amarla lo Navianochi, Veloven Navianochi, quoting Amos, Alachkach Mikubleni. If you're more Alacha Mifner Abcha, you're Chayav Mita, and that's what happened. If you're more Alacha Mifner Abcha, you're Chayav Mita, and now we have a, uh, uh, more information that that student of Rabbi Eliezer was called Yehuda Ben Guria. He was three parsot away from Rabbi Eliezer, and nonetheless, um, and so nonetheless he was chayav. So the answer is befanav have. That was, but he was still befanav. But you just told me he was three parsot away. 
So So then why are you telling me his name, his father's name? Don't think that it's some sort of made-up story. It's a real story with a real guy. But you should know that he was Shalosh Parsaud, which means that even that far away, and that is the distance, because that's the distance of Machane Yisrael, uh, you're still Chayav Mita, if you're more Halacha, Bifnei, Bechaye Rabcha. Now we're going to hear some some uh, moralistic uh, consequences to doing this. That uh, he should be bitten like a snake. This is when Elihu comes after the three visitors have dialogued with Eov and back and forth about God's justice in the world. Now, Elihu comes and says, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. And he says, I'm very young. Therefore, I'm crawling. What does that mean? And the word lizchol is associated with snakes in in Shirat Ta'azinu. So it's like Elihu says, you know, for me to speak up in your presence, you know, I should be like a snake. Somebody speaks up in his rabbi's presence like a chotet. I kept your words in my heart, and I hid them in my heart, so it's not to sin to you, says David. So now, let's see what that's about. Rav Nuna saw a, uh, a contradiction here. It says in another parak of Tehillim, I publicized your words in, in, uh, with a great congregation. So which is it? Since Lokasha, Kan Bizmansha, Ira Iraha Yairi Kayam. Iraha Yairi was mentioned uh, in Shmuel Bet as one of David's uh, men, is in Chazin Chazal, is David's uh, Rebbe. So when Iraha Yairi was alive, then he kept it to himself. Kan Bizmansha, Ini Iraha Yairi Kayam. After he died, then David became a public teacher. This is a tangential statement relating to Irah Yairi and that passage in Shmuel Bet. If somebody gives all of his matanot to one Kohen instead of spreading it around, the reality is that's going to lead to a famine. Why? What does that mean, a Kohen David? David is only a Kohen for David? I mean, it's an objective statement being a Kohen. It means David gave all his matanot to Irah. He was his Kohen. What does it say in the very next paragraph? That's the Rav with the Givonim and Shaul. Uh, what happens if you give all your matanot to one Kohen? Um, um, uh, this actually this is going back to the issue of Mora Halacha Bifner Abcha. He says that uh, if somebody's got a high position, he gets taken down. Elazar told the people uh, what to do with the with the loot. He commanded Moshe. He didn't command me. Nonetheless, Elazar was punished for being the one to teach everybody about the laws of of Tefillat Kelim and Hagalat Kelim. Because after all, when Yoshua was uh, was uh, was uh, instated and inaugurated, he was supposed to stand. He was told he will stand in front of Elazar Kohen, Mishalov, Mishpat Haurim, etc. Historically, Yoshua turned out Yoshua never. We never find that he needed him, that he uh, had recourse to Elazar, except of course in the case of the Nachalot and uh, Perak Yudalad and Yoshua. Related, call him the motive Mila Kamei Rabbe, somebody who. Responds with the words of Halacha in the presence of his Rebbe. Azilish Obelovlad, he'll go and die without children. Shnemar, the famous scene when uh, Eldad and Medad continue to have the prophecy. 
Yoshua spoke up in front of Moshe and said, Moshe, put them in prison. And Uchtiv, but Yoshua didn't have any sons. Maybe he had daughters. He did not have sons. There's a Midrash that he and Rachav had daughters. This is at odds with him. That the reason that Yoshua was punished to not have sons was not because he spoke up in front of Moshe, but rather because there was one night when he kept the men away from their wives unnecessarily. Shinemar. And this, of course, has a parallel in Masachat Megillah with a different ending. Um, and uh and Yoshua says to him, says, So this Malach this looking threatening with them uh says Atavati. What is Atavati? Yesterday you didn't bring the afternoon Tamid. Now tonight you're not learning. And Yeshua said, why are you coming now? Meaning, why is my life under threat? Amarlo atavati, I'm coming now, and that's the sugi on the beginning of Megillah about which is preferable to Medin or Talmud Torah. So miyad veilech Yeshua balayla hu betocha emek that Yeshua walked in the emek, and that's that uh, is in preparation for the that's in the later pasuk, and it's a preparation for the uh, second war against Ha'ai. From Yochum lamech halach bumkash shel halacha that he walked through the emek emek halacha. The Emek there being of halacha. So what did that mean? That means the Aron was with them and not in Gilgal. And if the Aron is not where they are, the people are not allowed to have relations together. So because of Yoshua's inaction here, or because of what he did, he came over from Peru, and then the the comment of Rav Papa is, that's why he was punished with not having sons. This is the piece that I mentioned before, that uh, Talmud Torah is greater than Tmidin, the Amarle Atavati. He said, I came now, I came because of the Talmud Torah you didn't, didn't engage in. This is a now tangent. If somebody sleeps in the same canopy, as it were, that a man and woman, wife are meaning that uh, that you're keeping them from intimacy because you're intruding on their privacy. The pasuk in Micha that you are more forcing my men to divorce their wives, not divorcing them, but you're keeping them from their marital bliss. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef said that's true even if the wives need that, which means they can't be intimate; they still deserve privacy. Rabbi said the opposite. If he's a nida, she's a nida, then that's a good thing. You're keeping them from each other. You're keeping them from sinning. Velohi, but we reject that because the Adaidna Manetrewe, who guarded him till now. In other words, uh husband and wife are trusted to be alone when she's in Nida. You're not allowed to intrude on their privacy. And parenthetically, this is talking about a certain case, sort of like uh if there was some uh, boarding house and there was a couple that was in one room and you know people used to crowd into a lot of rooms. So if you intrude on their privacy, then that's that's uh that's considered to be a very bad bit of against protocol. Now, Homavua, we go back to Eruvin, and one little story. There was a Mavui, the Havidayar Balachman Baristak. So there was a Nanju who lived there. This goes back to our main Sugam. Rule Ogarlan Vishutak. So the people there said, Rent us your property. Logalahu, he refused to do it. And now we've got to figure out how we can somehow make an Eruv because he can't be Mavatal Rashut. And he refused to rent his property, as Chazal uh, uh, assumed he would. They came to Abayah and he said, what do we do? I have a solution. All you Jews, to one Jew in the property. 
Now you have one Jew and a Goy. They turned up by and said, that's only true when there really aren't other people there, so it's an uncommon thing. And that was the reason that it's so uncommon for a Jew to live alone with a Goy in a Chatzer that didn't make the Zerah. Here you got 10 people or 15 people, which is very common, which means the Xerah should apply. He said, yeah, but if you do what I told you, which is for all Jews to be mevatal reshut to one guy, that's also uncommon. So therefore, again, the Xerah wasn't applied because it didn't apply to unusual cases. So he said, you're bothered because your case is too usual, a bunch of Jews and one guy. So I'm giving you a solution which is so unusual that the Xerah again will not apply. So Ravuna Bereshua, who was something of a student of Abaye, came and told his main Rebbe Rava what Abaye had said. You're going to now destroy. There is no Eruv in that Mavui. Because what have you got? You've got everybody in Vata Rashut to this one guy. The one Jew, one Jew and a goy don't need an a roof. There's it's just one Jew's property. So he said, "Not the Marvi. We're talking about a case where all the other Jews were Marv with that Jew that they gave it to." So then Yomru a roof Well, if that's the case, then people are going to think that an a roof works with a goy. So the answer is the Macharzinan. The They made an announcement, so everybody would know that this was done with the Jews. But that doesn't help the kids. And our concern always is the kids are not going to know about Eruv, and then they're going to going to either set up an improper Eruv or work without an Eruv. So Rava said that solution doesn't work because it's going to lead to misinformation. So here's what you should do. Have one of the Jews go. He should go to the guy and request one little spot. Put something there. And then you become like a worker of the goy. In other words, you say, "Can I, can I borrow something of yours?" Um, and uh, and can I put it down here? You put it down. Whatever. Very simple thing. Then it becomes you're like you're a worker of his. That a uh, a person can uh, make an eruv. Not only can a person make an eruv, but his worker can make it on his behalf, or his harvester can make it on his behalf. So then there will be a dayo. So therefore, you've become the schiro um, likito of this uh, goy, and therefore you can represent him, as it were, and make the eruv. So what happens if there's one guy and he's got a bunch of different workers? Do they now need an eruv? So we said schiro likito as a as a as a kula. Let's say a man's gone away; his worker can, can do the eruv for him. We're not going to say at L'Chumrah that we suddenly consider that there are the multiple uh, owners here, because you have a bunch of Sechir Likito, it's the original owner, and we're not going to extend it L'Chumrah. Okay, we'll pause at this point, we'll pick it up in the next podcast, where it's going to continue on the theme of the Sechir Likito, and, um, and that's going to take us into another very interesting tangent about Shtiyah, Shtiyat Yain, and again about Hora'ah, but in the meantime, wish everybody a wonderful day.